Hey, do us a favor. If you like listening to the show, please just take a few minutes, not even a few minutes, one minute to go into Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. so many times on the show that I don't like talking about projects yeah. until they're done or until I've dropped them. Uh, so this isn't meant to be a teaser. I'm not going to talk about what the project that I've been playing around with is. But I do kind of want to talk a little bit about <laughs> the process of like... <sighs> It's a serious thing that I'm working on. It's not, you know, like the show, we go serious, but then we, we goof around too. So this is, to me, this is a lot more lighthearted. What I'm working on right now is like not funny in any way. And it's kind of, it's weird how it's kind of been affecting my, my psyche. Huh. Like, for example, I was, I was standing outside, I took the dog to go to the bathroom before we started recording. And I'm standing out there and I'm just kind of like looking at the yard and I caught myself, you know, we've talked to, uh, when we talked about meditation and mindfulness before we talked about the two frames of mind, you know, the observing self and then the reacting self. Mm -hmm. And I caught myself in that observing self looking at me, such a weird way to say that looking at myself objectively, the way I was looking across the yard and seeing a distinct difference in like my mindset and the way that I was like, my mind was really, really focused. What the hell? So the like the project, like I said, it's very serious, but it's also like I, I didn't intend for it to be something that took a lot of time, but it's kind of, I don't want to use the word addictive, but it pulls you in. And uh, so I've been spending more and more time on that project, you know, and when one day, whether I, whether this actually comes to fruit or whether it's just a complete failure, which is still up in the air, I will tell everybody what it was. <laughs> um, it's, it's so monumental. I mean, what I'm, what I'm taking on is, or attempting to take on or trying on, maybe is a good way to say it, is so much bigger than anything I've ever touched before. And I don't mean bigger as in, you know, like uh, fame and, and notoriety. I mean the scope of what's involved and time and organization needed. I mean, it makes it makes writing a novel look like fucking child's play. And it's just kind of, it, in a really good way, has given me a, a very straight focus to my mind. But I've also had to like really start finding ways to depressurize you know like i, I actually the, the one of the things i was thinking about going in this episode is i wondered if when you started doing politics mm -hmm. if you felt something similar because i would assume you know like um anything that we've done before something of that scale and of that kind of impact it seems like child's play i would assume right yeah oh yeah I mean, that's definitely the feeling I had. I mean, and especially given the, what politics is um, these days, it felt huge. I mean, it felt, it still feels huge. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, it feels far less huge than it did when I first began um, diving into the endeavor. But 
uh, it seemed insurmountable. It just seemed so large that I could never wrap my head completely around it. And and to this day, I feel like I've only chipped away at maybe twenty to thirty percent of it. Yeah, there are some things that are, you know, politics. Um, I don't know, list off things. Things Raising like a politics child. <laughs> that are just so big that I don't think you ever can wrap your head around them. You just kind of have to almost run and gun. Yeah, you know. And always trying to improve and understand more and grow more, but like realizing that, oh, I'm never going to have my head, you know, like a, a short story or a song or a poem. I can wrap my head around that whole thing and sure. I can understand everything, you know, like I chose this key, I chose this word, I chose this because this plays with this. You can literally, not literally, almost literally wrap your head around the whole thing. And Things are so much bigger than that. Like, it's it's it changes the way you think. That's what I'm learning. Yeah. I mean, like, how do how do you think? Like, it changed the way you thought. Oh, I mean, everything that I do revolves around it, um, mm. and that that's a very. I didn't even realize it was happening until it, in, until it was months deep into having already happened. Um, you know, my entire schedule, everything I do, um, everything I think about, like every task that I have revolves around what I do with politics. And it, that wasn't that, it wasn't that way, uh, hell, even two years ago. Um, so it, it, it takes over your life in such a way that you don't really realize until you're neck deep in it. <laughs> I imagine this is probably how people feel when they suddenly, for the first time, are running a company. Oh, sure. You know, like, oh, okay, I understand how to be a sales manager. I can wrap my head around being a sales manager. But then, you know, a CEO of like a, you know, like, a, for example, what's his name that runs Facebook? You know, obviously, we criticize him a lot. And I criticize a lot of choices that company has made. But just being that person and having to wrap... I'm going to stop using that term. Having to really absorb the size of what you're doing. Yeah, just the sheer magnitude of it. Yeah. Yeah, or Bill Gates even more. You know, like Microsoft is so much. It's it's so much bigger in moving parts than Facebook, mm-hmm. because you know they have their fingers in everything. There's so many divisions of Microsoft that don't even know of, <laughs> that other divisions exist. Sure, and I'm sure in some way it's becoming like that with Apple. The more they start making these acquisitions, um, you know, there's all these little piecemeal companies that they've bought up. Some of them stayed where they are some of them are inside apple now like i just it's so weird to me it's really doing the things that i've done until now have been relatively easy as far as mechanics you know do you know what i mean when i say as far as mechanics oh sure completely okay just want to make sure I'm not going off on some tangent. Well, I don't, I don't know if other people might know, so it might be a good idea to explain it. I only know because I kind of just went through the same journey um, in that you have to change not just your mindset, but your toolkit. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's a very, and, and that's a, both a tangible as well as an intangible toolkit too. You know, like even some simple things for me, like managing a calendar and understanding how schedules work with certain types of people or certain groups of people, how, how to shift your mentality when it comes to what scheduling looks like from a day-to-day basis and what tasks look like on a day-to-day basis. I mean, it's all different. Yeah. I mean, like as, as far as mechanics and all of like the, the stuff before, like I said, it's like it was small moving pieces. It was like I was playing with Legos, right? Okay, I move this here and I move this here. 
But when you start playing in in a bigger pond, sorry we're mixing metaphors here, but some of this stuff is just really hard to explain without using a bunch of different metaphors. But when you play in a bigger pond or a bigger field, some things, some parts are not movable. Yep. There are some things you can do nothing about. So all of a sudden, you have these constrictions on what you can do. And then that adds a certain level of difficulty. So, the, you know, like before, like writing, writing is not, from a mechanical point of view, not difficult. You just have to get your ass in a chair and find the time to do it. That's it. And it, generally, if you have a, an idea, you can work from there. From a mechanical point of view, not conceptual point of view, it's really easy. It's really easy to sit at a keyboard. But uh, like, for example, politics um, or running a company when you're managing people and you're managing unknowns and you're managing uh, things that you, that you have no influence over, things you can't change, things that are bigger than you, uh, things that uh, just completely decimate parts of what you're doing, uh, it becomes a completely different game. It's not a game anymore. Maybe that's a good way to say it. Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of it too is that you can't, you can't will your way out of something. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like that's not entirely true. There are definitely moments where you can force a, uh, force a perspective or, or, or force a, a, a task. Um, but you, you're now relying on other people too. And in, in the case of politics, you're not, it, it's relying on people in no small way. Like that's, it's, it's a big ask when you're talking about how, how many different schedules have to align, how many different tasks have to be done by so many different people um, that you cannot personally manage. Um, if you want to succeed in politics, you can't micromanage. It's just logistically impossible. Right. And for those who succeed or fail within the scope of politics, those who can properly delegate and who understand um, what delegation should look like while still not losing accountability... Is typically are typically the ones that succeed the most. Um, you know, don't get me wrong. Like most decent politicians fail um, because they over delegate um, and they lose they they lose the the touchy feely aspect of what they're doing. So they they lose they lose that personal sense of accountability, which I think is a mistake. But there are some who definitely don't, um, and those that don't become very successful and typically transcend the the latter pretty quickly. Um, the the ability to delegate while still retaining a sense of accountability is actually monumentally difficult. And for most people, you know, who don't understand um, what that actually looks like in a practical environment, um, they they don't quite understand how you lose that sense of accountability in government. I can see how you lose it really quickly. Um, And I can see how you lose it quickly on a a local level, much less a national level. So once you get to a national um, arena, uh, the the level of accountability drops just because by nature, it kind of has to. Right. Well, one of the things that I'm, especially listening to you say that, that I'm very lucky on is I don't have any delegation involved with what I'm doing. <laughs> sure, but, but, you, but you, might, you might get to that point though. You know, like, I mean, if this podcast grows to the level that you want it to, there's literally no way you can physically do it by yourself anymore. It's just impossible. Right. Well, then I guess in a way that that would... I don't have to think about it yet, maybe is a good way to say it, because it's not part of the... And then the project I'm working on has nothing to do with this show for everybody listening. But the thing that's really... There is a people part of this thing 
that and, and it makes me actually really uncomfortable because I'm going to have to put myself in situations that I'm not entirely comfortable with. Um, talking to people that I'm not entirely comfortable talking to, getting people to that I don't necessarily trust or that probably won't trust me uh, to help. It's it's going to be a very strange thing in the sense that uh, some of it, uh, if some of it is asking for somebody to give you a certain level of respect that you haven't earned. Uh, for example, you know, like if I were uh, doing something in politics and I had never done anything in politics before and I was talking to a politician, I'm asking a lot of that politician to want to work with me when I have nothing, no track record of any sort. Sure. So it's something very similar to that. Well, that's that's the huge challenge in my life right now, right? Like I'm I'm fighting to get a new job and um, the challenge is I have no provable um, public office experience other than the stuff that I've been doing um, with any number of different politicians in the area for the last three years. Um, but on a resume, that's that's not a complete um, job that I've had. So it's actually very, very tough in, in, in the, the arenas that I'm going for to actually find a job, which is weird because it, it's the first time in my life where I've actually had difficulty finding employment in the thing that I want to do. Right. Yeah, there's there's a that's one of those blocks, right? Where you're like, oh, this, I haven't I haven't seen this block before. Yeah, never have. It's weird. <laughs> I don't yeah. like it. We, well, we talked about in previous episodes. You talked about how um, music was always came too easy for you, so you never really appreciated it. And uh, school was that way for me. It came really easy, so I always got C's because mm-hmm. I never I never bothered to put in the effort. And most of the C's I got were with very little effort. I mm-hmm. just something that I heard in class that I had my weird brain that remembers things, remembered it. I never studied ever, not once. So sometimes when you get to that point where you're finally, it's, it's, it's akin to growing up where you think you understand the world when you're younger and then you get older and you go, Oh, this is actually the way it works. Wow. I had no concept of that when I was younger, did I? And it's kind of funny when you start playing in arenas, like you and I are talking about, that's kind of how you start looking back at everything you did before. You're like, well, I really was just kind of fucking around, wasn't I? Yeah, totally. So like going back to that yard, because this, me standing in the yard, that is, that this difficulty and the struggles and the heavy nature of what I'm working on it really, in in some ways, it has, um, it's freed some of my mental wanderlust. In the sense that I don't, I don't think about, oh, here's something cool I could do. Oh, this, you know, I don't have all these small little ideas because I'm so focused on this one thing, and this is so serious, and it means so, it's so valuable, and it's also so terrifying that. All of a sudden, I find that clarity in my mind comes from that because it's like, oh, I'm not playing with little things anymore. These are big blocks. Sure. And my mind is focused on this one really big fucking obelisk or or even mountain. And that's, that's part of the reason I don't want to tell anybody what it is is because there's great likelihood that I'm going to fail miserably at this because it is so monumental. 
but I have to try. And, and that's, and, and it's a really good, that's the really good feeling part of it where it's like, wow, I'm, I'm proud of myself. I'm being really brave and I'm trying this. So it's, it's that, that kind of clarity. It's, it's changed my mood considerably. I feel like a different person. It's very strange. Um, for all those out there, by the way, I have literally no idea what Jad's talking about. Nobody does. I haven't told a single soul. Not, that's amazing. Uh, not my closest, I mean, you're one of my closest friends, but not my closest friends that they don't know. Uh, <laughs> I've told no one. <laughs> there's, there's not a living person that knows what I'm working on. That's crazy. Uh, there's, there's many reasons for that. Number one, the, the part that I'm talking about. And to be honest, not to be too much of a tease, theoretically it could be dangerous for me to tell a lot of people about it. Mm. So, so it's, it's definitely something that is on my mind. And because it's, it's a very, the topic or the genre or the area that the thing is in is very dark. I have to find ways to step outside of it Jeez. and, and to do, do things that cheer me up. So like, you know, like spending more time with the dog and watching shows, you know, I've really been diving into soft shows in the evening because I have to, I have to break myself, um, psychically, I guess <laughs> psychically is a good word for it. Mm, interesting. And my psyche needs to let go of it for a little I'm, while. I'm trying not to guess what it is. There are many, many guesses, but I, I, doubt anybody would be able to guess i don't know i've i've got it down to like three like i've been trying to figure it out this entire time yeah well you you probably get close but we'll see um <laughs> when we get off when we get off this if you guess it i'll tell you but well, no, i mean not yeah. for the audience wow that's crazy I'm, I'm intrigued it's and i i feel terrible about like doing this i hate when fucking people do this on shows and like what is it what is it uh, but it's, it's literally it's just like, I can't, <laughs> and I'm not trying to tease it because like I said, good chance is going to fail. So the, I, I'm actually incentivized to not, <laughs> to not tease it because it may never be complete, but it's, um, it's interesting how you find something that's this difficult but it also is so satisfying it's it's fucking weird okay like because it's dark that i feel satisfaction from it but i feel satisfaction from it in the sense that it's something i'm really good at hmm. and it's a weird it's weird to like oh you feel like this buzz of excitement and you're like oh i shouldn't be feeling that right now about this hmm. but you do so like all of that it just it's it's changed my my mind on so many things where it's like okay dial this all of a sudden like all these things that i was struggling with before in other areas are so clear and that's that's why why i'm talking about all this not like i said not to tease but because this one thing has changed so many other things i think those the way those other things have changed is very fascinating and not to go in specifics uh that's not what the point is but in the sense that like Oh, that thing that I was like really juggling around. I'm like, we'll say uh, something you and I talked about like last year that I would have been juggling around in my mind. Do I use WordPress or do I use Squarespace? Boom, boom, boom. You know, like going back and forth with that shit. Now all of a sudden things like that to me are, oh, who gives a fuck? Use that one. Boom. So trivial. Yeah. No, I feel you. I feel the same way about politics. Yeah. It's such a simple decision too, right? You're like, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter. You don't have time to think about shit like that. Yeah. It's it's like... um, 
you realize how small the impact of that is because now that you're you're dealing with something that has a larger impact. Mm-hmm. You go, okay, so what? So um, I can't get this one plugin to work because it's Squarespace and not WordPress. I don't get fucked. Yeah, who cares? <laughs> no, nope. nobody but me is going to notice. Oh, okay, move on. Yep. Yep. And it's done, and it's over with. I, I imagine parents feel that way too. You know, like all these little petty things, like little dramas that they had in their personal life, and all mm-hmm. of a sudden they have kids. They're like, I don't care. I got this living living human that I have to care for. Well, to give you some perspective on that outlook, right? I mean, this is this is it, it speaks a lot to to many of the things we've talked about already. Um, in 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 how bigness changes the way you think about things. Like, I hate Outlook. I hate everything about it. I hate the interface. Hate how it syncs. Hate how it doesn't sync. Um, just hate how it deals with mail. How it handles calendars. But guess what? I use Outlook, and the reason why is because it's simple. It's straightforward, and for its many many flaws, anyone can use it on almost any platform, and it works the same way. Right. And I hate it still, don't get me wrong, but I don't even have time to think about it anymore. I've just gotten used to it because it's a tool in my bag and I don't have time to think about my tools. Right. It's pretty much anything on my phone. I've not not because of this recent thing, but in the last like eight months or so, I don't think about any of the apps on my phone anymore. I'm like, that's just what I use. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Like I've been using Apple reminders forever. Guess what? Turns out I don't go into task management apps that often. Most of the shit that I need to do, I remember. Sure. Imagine that. Imagine, imagine that. that. <laughs> and then everything else that falls, falls, falls. Whatever. I don't give a shit. <laughs> sure. Uh, it's weird. It's weird how freeing that is when you have a singular purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you... Well, I mean, it's not because of the singular purpose because that's a new thing. And I wouldn't even go as far as to say it's singular. But mm-hmm. it's just, at a certain point, it just became like unimportant. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe what probably what pushed the worrying about that out was the focus on this podcast. Mm-hmm. You know, so in a way, yeah, maybe it was a singular focus. Sure. Just not the same one anymore, right? Yeah, exactly. That shit sw- shifts around and that's okay. Wow, what a weird episode. Yeah, well, it is what it is. That's where I feel weird. Like I was honest, honestly, I was like, I have no idea. I, I was thinking about before we went in the episode, I'm like, I have nothing on my mind except for the one thing that I can't talk about. <laughs> that's, that's the uh, horribly inconvenient <laughs> that's the other thing that's very difficult when you're putting like let's see if i think about yesterday i put in seven and a half hours of research Jeez. into what i'm doing and then today i put in let's see i got up at 10 30 so 11 to 5 what is that six hours yeah just about so when you're putting that much hours into something but then you <laughs> You can't talk about it. I'm coming into the show. I'm like, uh, I I don't have anything else on my mind at all, which is terrible because it's like heavy shit and that somebody shouldn't have that as the only thing on their mind. But I seem to be able at this point to cope with it really well. <laughs> well, now, I mean, I guess uh, to a certain extent, you now understand the, the life of like an FBI profile or something. You know? Yeah. All right. mean, it's, it's dark and it's horrible, but it's it's what consumes you, you know? Right, exactly. It, there's a weird. Yeah, you think about the heaviness of of a topic. You know, like like you said, like death. But then, <laughs> like, hmm, what's for dinner? Don't really care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I hear you. You know, like the the things that that used to concern me. Like I, I, I just. It's to the point where I just, I don't even have a preference anymore. Like, hey, what are we having for dinner? Um, I don't know. I don't care. I just need to eat something. 
Mm. Like, I mean, that's what it, it, it is now. Like, you know, I'm sitting there reading political stuff or, or, or writing something or writing an email or getting ready for a meeting or something like that. I don't care about what my coffee tastes like as long as it's not, you know, as long as it does the job, I so don't give a shit. But you know what's weird though is I, I do appreciate other things. Um, like I appreciate the layout of meeting rooms now. Mm. Well, that's funny that you mentioned coffee. I don't know why. I haven't drank coffee and I know why I haven't drank it because of my anxiety. But uh, for some reason, once I started this project, I've been craving coffee for the first time in like a year and a half. Oh, interesting. Really strange. And I I didn't realize that until you said that right now. Like, oh, yeah, coffee sounds good. Like right now. I'm literally derailed by this in the sense that like, I didn't expect this thing to be as big as it is in as a, as, as a part. That is to say, I knew how big it was. I didn't realize it was going to take up or I was going to allow it to take up as much time as I have. It's kind of like warm. Like you said, you know, like it just slowly does it. Although I guess three days isn't really slow. Yeah, it's it's pretty slow though. I mean, it's not like it happened in an hour. You know, anything past a, a, a day is already a slow change. Um, and I know that that doesn't sound quite right, but I thoroughly believe that to be true. Like any any meaningful change we typically make usually happens pretty fast. Um, it's just a matter of sticking to that change that makes the difference. But the change itself is actually really quick. Like for example, I'm going to go to the gym every day. Well, you've already made that change. It's now you just have to consistently keep making, you know, keep choosing that every day, but the change is already made. Right. What you're talking about and with what I'm talking about with, with politics is a very gradual, but very complete change. Um, in the sense that with politics, for example, like I woke up one day and realized I'd been doing it for a year and a half and everything about my life was completely different. <laughs> right. You know, and that's, and that's a very weird experience. Um, in the sense that it's hard to explain to someone what that actually feels like unless you've actually gone through it. And that's, I mean, it's something I definitely am working hard to not let happen in the sense that I don't want this to be my life. It's, a, it's an important thing for me. And it's something important to try. It's something important for somebody to do, even if it's not me. And at the same time, I'm like, but I still need to be me. I still need to, you know, like do this show and I still need to uh, write and I still need to play with my dog and do all these other than watch, you know, uh, uh, reruns of the Golden Girls or whatever. Like all of those things still need to happen. Sure. And because it's a heavy subject, that's even more important because if you let something like this take over your whole life, it will destroy you. Mm. Just like if literally everything in your life revolved around politics, eventually it would destroy you. You know, you'd yeah, have a heart absolutely. attack. Yeah, absolutely. Of course. Because there's there's only so much, you know, everybody needs a break. Like I was re one of the things I've been doing to relieve pressure has been rewatching all of the older seasons of, of Queer Eye. And I finally made it back to the current season. I watched the first episode of the current season. The current season is about a music teacher who literally doesn't go home from work until like 10.30 at night, every night. Mm. So her whole life is the students in the school, which is what's beautiful and amazing. But at the same time, like she, like they ask her like, so what do you do outside of work? You know, like uh, what events do you go to? She's like, oh, I go see shows that my students are in or I go see like literally everything still revolves around them outside of the school. 
and she shops on television in the middle of the night because she doesn't have she doesn't make time to go to the store to buy herself clothes. Oh man. I mean there's that that, that tireless dedication is really admirable but it, it's also very destructive. Oh yeah, you know like one of the things that uh, Karama one of the guys on there tells her he says what happens you know when your tank is empty? If you let your tank get empty, then all these students are only going to get half or less of what you can give them. Mm. It's kind of like the metaphor we've talked about before with you have to sharpen the saw. You know, like if you're cutting down a tree and you keep cutting and you keep cutting and you don't stop to sharpen the tree, I mean, sharpen the the saw, mm-hmm. the saw becomes less and less effective. So it becomes harder and harder to cut down the tree till you can't cut the tree down. So sometimes you have to stop and sharpen the blades of your tool. Or sometimes you have to stop to to let yourself feel some pain and, and to, to heal a little. Well, I think that is sharpening. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, I, we're I, I feel... about our psyche and our brain and our emotions. Those are our tools. But I do personally feel like it's two different things to me, though. Um, and the example that I have for myself is, um, you know, I, I recently acquired a brand new piano. And I feel like that was the break. You know, that was me giving myself a chance to take a breath. It wasn't the same as um, going to play golf, for example. Like going to play golf is, 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 I don't even know how to describe it. One is, one is more recreation and it takes your mind out of the thing. And, the, and another is more of a reprieve. You know what I mean? No, I'm not really seeing a difference. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how to describe it. But one definitely feels like a recharge and one feels like a dead stop. Like oh. it, it, it's, it's, it's forcing a different perspective in my brain. Like the difference between relaxing and going to sleep? Yeah, yeah, like something like that, yeah. One is completely so foreign to the thing that you're doing that, that it allows you to entirely escape from it. Right, like me watching television. Yeah, sure. Uh, watching certain things on television, that is. Yeah, and I think that I'm finally at a point now where I understand those things well enough to be able to give myself the mental space to do them individually. Mm-hmm. And to draw the distinction between the two actually is the bigger thing. Like I didn't know there was a difference until I, I realized what difference they actually made. Right. Well, I think like my number one to this day, my number one, and talk about the soft shows and all that. My number one hack for me that I've found is walking. Mm, yeah, no matter sure. what I'm doing, I don't know if that's a reprieve or a, a, or relief or whatever, but it balances at least for a little while, balances everything because I don't listen to anything. So I'm just walking and my mind drifts. And when my mind drifts, you know, we've talked about the default network. It goes into all of that. It just seems to, it seems to, to turn down the volume on all of the um, things that we build up throughout the day. You know, if you think about it, like a, like an amp, a music amp, and you you know you have the front where you can see the music getting higher and higher and the peaks getting higher that's the like the stress and the and the, the anticipation and all the other things tension and all the other things we build up throughout the day and then like when i go on a walk it's like all of those just go back down mm. and i can build them back up but it's going to take a while to build them back up so you know it's like giving the engine a break sure so that's like my number one thing. And I didn't even I didn't even go on a walk today. So that's terrible. Too wrapped up. Do you schedule the walks or do you go when you feel like you need it? 
lately because it's been hot. I've been scheduling them in the sense that I try to go right before sundown. Mm-hmm. But I have to like really pay attention every night to when the sun actually goes down because there's a, you know, we go for an hour, so I have to plan back an hour. But if I go too early, the sun is at the most brutal part where it's just about to go behind the tre- the trees and the houses mm-hmm. and it blinds you. Sure. Mm, and you think I'm walking like whatever, but imagine walking on a street where you can't look through the right side of your head because the sun is just blazing right in that eye. So it makes the walk completely miserable. Mm, sure. I've had it a few times where I'm like, my God, like I had to like put a hand over my eyeball just so I could walk down one street. So yeah, in that sense, I've been planning. But normally when it's like more, less, less hot and humid, we just walk in the middle of the day whenever I feel like it. Got it. Hmm. I, for, I, for some odd reason, uh, imagine that you had regimented like very strict schedules on that. No, definitely not. I don't have strict schedules. Apparently I can't speak. I don't have strict schedules in general of most things. Uh, I try to keep things as loose as possible because I have a propensity to be overorganized. Got it. So I don't allow myself that. I think it's important to be able to, like as much as I've talked about, like some of the detriments of what I'm doing right now, it's really important to have space in your life to sometimes obsess over something. Mm, Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Especially when you're starting something. It's good to be obsessed when you start something. It's. I think it, the, the obsession is more dangerous when it comes later than when it's at the beginning. Because when it's at the beginning, it's 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 not really obsession so much as just like complete excitement and fascination and all these other things and fulfillment. Um, when it comes later, then it's closer to like real like dangerous obsession where you're like, okay, this is probably not good for me. Hmm. So right now I'm in that like beginning phase where I'm just like completely wrapped up in it and I'm just letting it happen and letting other things like I've in the middle of like, I've talked so much about these index cards and like trying to reorganize and like rewrite some of them because I can't read some of them very well. And I was in the middle of that when I started this and literally the desk in front of me has index cards in like five different piles. There's a (laughs) table over there with some index cards on it. (laughs) There's a tray over here with the index cards on it. I just literally, like, if you walked in this room, it would look like, you know, like, I just died. <laughs> like, I was in the middle of something, and it just, <laughs> I just literally walked away from my life, in a sense. <laughs> you just fully checked out of your life. Yeah, I was just like, oh, this is, I'm in the middle, whatever. That's so not important right now. And <laughs> just sit there. So that, it's not good. I know I have to work through those cards, because having things strewn across my room stresses me out, so... Yeah, it might be. I might have to like do that this weekend just to like be able to have clean slate. That's fascinating. Like I still have no idea what you're you're working on still. It's ballet. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a hell of an endeavor. <laughs> I mean, I, I I have friends who are ballet dancers, and that is absolutely brutal. If that's the yeah, I mean, so I mean, if you're talking something that'll completely consume your life, if you want to get good at ballet, that is your entire life forever long you do it. Uh, ballet is fascinating. You know, it's, what's weird is like, um, such a weird right turn here, but uh, <laughs> ballet, um, I never, I've never watched ballet necessarily, but the idea of ballet, um, 
tightrope walking, all these things are things I probably would have been really good at because I have a shocking sense of balance. Really? I can, like I test it, I can stand on, on one foot on my tippy toes. Wow. Learn something new every day. Yeah. I never knew that about you. And often when I'm when I'm in the kitchen, like uh, making tea or something, I stand on one foot. No kidding. Yeah, like a flamingo. That's a very peculiar thing to do. <laughs> I do it for the balance because I like. I don't know. I'm good at. I'm, I've always been good at balancing, so I always like to test it. I'm like, oh, I'm here. I'm sitting here waiting and watching water boil. Let's see how long I can stand on this foot for. Oh, you're like a stand on this foot like for 15 minutes. Like a goat. Yeah, it's weird. That is weird. I just happen. Happen to have good balance, but yeah. So I'm like, I think about that. I'm like, if I wasn't afraid of heights, I probably could have been a tightrope walker. <laughs> Assuming that I knew anybody in that field. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, like, that seems like a very specific field. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those guys are pretty amazing. I don't know. I think a lot of people are doing that, and probably just all Cirque du Soleil now, huh? Cirque yeah, have kind of just kind of disappeared. It's kind well, of... it's like it's like all things, though, right? Like, I think there's actually more. Um, virtuoso or like high level performers than there ever have been in human history, but there's fewer in total. Yeah, I just miss when the circus used to come to town. I mean, it still sure. kind of does, but yeah. it's not. You don't really hear about it most of the time, at least not here, because we're such a big city. But it wasn't always the same circus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Only one circus comes to town now, but we had you know there was Ringling Brothers. And Barnum and Bailey used to be two different circuses. Then they became one. And then what the hell were the other ones? Oh, I don't even remember anymore. But yeah, there were definitely more than more than those two. And eventually that one. I used to love it. I don't know. I, could, I should have been a carny, I guess. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? I could have, I could have been a tightrope walker. I could have been, I could have been a contender. Hmm. But yeah, I think at this, Maybe almost spilled this water all over my keyboard. I've been thinking about that recently, just kind of like looking at things and going, you know, maybe it's because I'm on this at this point where I'm risking everything, you know, like we're instead of taking on more of the work that makes me money, I'm trying to invest in my creative stuff instead right now. Mm-hmm. It's also got me thinking where I'm like, oh, that thing that I would have been good at, or that thing that I've always had some interest in that I never invested in in any way maybe now is the time to try it Hmm. and obviously you can't do a bunch of them because it just becomes overwhelming but like literally looking at that list every day and going "Hmm, is today the day you know (laughs) am i finally ready to you know whatever like you like uh, rock climbing today the day i try rock climbing maybe today the day that i learn how to make a fire in the woods with my bare hands maybe that's kind of exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird because of, I, you know, I obviously I don't know what the heck it is that you're you're intending upon doing, but there's there's a solemn nature to this conversation because of it, and I'm wondering if it's if it's the endeavor itself or if it's just the idea of an endeavor of that size. Both. Really interesting. God, it's fascinating. I have no idea what you're talking about, though. Oh no, and everybody else is probably annoyed right now. <laughs> but but it makes sense though i mean you know to be honest with you like with politics i didn't tell a lot of people for a long time um that i was even working on that kind of stuff and and much of it was because um i definitely wanted 
to succeed at it. And so because of that, I actually ended up not telling very many people about what I was doing at all, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not because I, I didn't trust people to take it the right way or anything like that, but because I, it was so important to me, you know? Um, I think that's the, the, there's no better way for me to put it than that. It was just so important to me that I wanted to do it right. And in the process of doing it right, I, I realized that I had to, 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 to care enough and to care enough, I had to just focus on it. Uh, I, I don't know. Like I didn't want to fail at it. You know what I mean? It, I felt like I didn't have a choice. Um, and that because of what it was, um, and how much I felt like it defined me, I couldn't fail, you know? Right. And in a case like that, you don't want to stack another fear of failure on top of that. Exactly. The fear of failing in front of people. You know, like I said, I was doing this. Oops, I failed at it. And it, it it's not the most important fear in all of those things. Mm-hmm. But just adding another one at that phase is really dangerous. Sure. Because you're so... When we start something that we're really into, regardless of what it is, we're really vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Because if it's anything good and it's really like, you know, like feeding us in some way, you know, like we're getting excited about it, that means it's challenging and it's difficult. That means we're doing something in some way. We're doing something we don't know how to do. You know, like the, the best challenges are things when you're learning something you don't know how to do. And because of that, you're vulnerable. And, you know, like somebody, like, it's really easy to not mean to derail somebody, but you can. Like, uh, for example, we'll say, like, Lamb, it, okay, fine, it's tightrope walking. That's what I've been talking about this whole time, tightrope walking. And you just snickered a little bit. You might mean nothing by that snicker, but mm-hmm. that snicker might live inside my head. Sure. And slowly eat away at my confidence or slowly make me angry or just distract me in a way that you don't need when you're at the beginning, exciting phases of something. So you know, that's, that's a great way of putting it because what I didn't want was for anyone to talk me out of it. Mm-hmm. Exactly that too. That's, that was a huge reason why I didn't tell a lot of people um, when it came to politics was because I did not, I knew that very few people would understand why I was doing it. And so because of that, I did not want other people's opinions to cloud my focus on it. Most people, no matter how close we are to them, have no idea what we're capable of. Sure. You know why? Because for the most part, we don't know what we're capable of. Mm-hmm. So there are things that if you're really going to take on something big and something important, it's probably something that looks like to other people and maybe even to yourself, something that it looks like something you can't do. Yeah, looks crazy. And so they're going to try to talk you out of it because they don't want you to get hurt and all these other things. But then also, it might make them uncomfortable. You know, so like Snickers and things like that, or, uh, you know, somebody making an offhand joke, they're not trying to make fun of you they're feeling uncomfortable. Like, whoa, that's heavy. And I don't know how to talk about that. Sure. Like, I don't know how to support you in it. I know that's a lot of it for, for, for me early on. That's, that's, I knew that whether conscious or not, I think it was definitely conscious in some cases. I knew that people didn't know how to support me. Um, you know, like I, I remember having this conversation with my, my mom, who is an endlessly pragmatic person. And I knew that her response would be, um, you know, well, you've never done it before. How do you know you can do it? I didn't even want that question in my mind. Mm-hmm, exactly. It's like when you get asked shit at a family reunion, you're like, I'm not answering that question. Yep. Not answering that. Yeah, sure. 
But there's also, you know, the... Oh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> uh, but there's, there's, there's a certain heaviness to people's opinions when you're in that phase that aren't even intended. You know, like, for example, this is what I was going to say. When, it, when politics, what I would think that you could be afraid of for sure is that most people, what they're going to think is you go, oh, I'm doing this um, politically. And then they're going to think, fuck, I don't, I don't want to commit to that. Is he going to ask me to commit to that because he's into it now? Mm-hmm, Am I sure. going to look like an asshole if I don't do it? Yeah, sure. Am I going to look like I don't support him, like you said? Or am I going to look like I don't care enough about this because he cares enough to do it, but now do I look like a schlub? You know, like all these weird like guilt questions. Maybe we all feel that sometimes, but like I think about that before other people think about that. Sure. Or it's like, oh, that's that's where they're going to go with that. So let's just not talk about it. Let's, you know, let's not go there at all. <laughs> sure. Like all of you listeners, let's not go there. <laughs> uh, it's so weird though. Mm. It is, but it's it's strange to have a topic <laughs> that I can't really... I'm so used to like just going into too much detail and now having something that I can't go into detail on. So let's, let's pull a quote. But, but I, I do feel like this discussion is important though. You know, like I, I do feel like I, it's, it's, you know, for anyone who's trying to do something audacious, um, there's always that period in the beginning that it, where you want support from other people. And I think that that's a trap. And I think it's a very dangerous, I, th- I think it's why most people actually don't get started. You know what I mean? Um, it's because they let people talk them out of it and they let, they let, they let other things in their lives that they thought were important to them stand in the way of that thing. Um, Most important things are completely unreasonable. Well, of course. And, and, but, that's, but that's the tough thing to convince yourself of. Like, and sometimes you have to sacrifice so much more than you want to. Um, like I think now in, in hindsight, um, with where I am and what I'm doing, um, I definitely sacrificed a relationship that meant a lot to me. You know, um, I, chose, I chose to see the political world as, as something important enough to rival, if not eclipse at times, um, my, my relationship with Crystal. And I know that, that, you know, one of the, one, strangely, um, whether she was conscious of it or not, it was one of the things that she said, um, to me post breakup is, you know, one of the reasons why we couldn't work was because she wasn't that into politics. And she made it a point to say that. And, in saying that, it made me realize how much of my life I had, I had turned, or how much of my energy, how much of my life, how much of my priority I had turned towards diving into the political world and trying to make a difference in that in that particular arena. So much so that it cost me in in no in no uncertain terms. Part of it cost me my relationship. And that's that that's that inability to balance, you know. But that's like what I'm so afraid of right now. Where it's like. If I let this consume me, what am I going to, you know, like say it consumed me so much that this show, I just gave up on the show after three years. That's terrible. I don't want to do that. Uh, but what if, what if that's what it needs? And what if it's important enough? You know, like uh, I, I, I don't know that I, anything is important enough to, I don't know. I, I, I know that, I know that sounds crazy, man. I know it does, but I'm thinking about it in the context of my relationship now. And I, I think of whether or not, it was important enough and as brutal, you know, important enough for me to face 
that amount of, of, of difficulty and pain? And my answer is a very difficult, but very assured. Yes. I don't think anything is, is so important as to blot out everything else. Mm. Nothing. Interesting. Not running the country. Nothing. Sure. Nothing should be the only thing ever. Uh, that's a great, they, that's a great episode name, by the way. <laughs> nothing, you, nothing should be the only thing ever. That's, that's great. You can't obliterate balance from your life. You can't be, it's, I mean, you don't have to even look at our lives to figure that out. Look at every single life of everybody that's lived before us. Mm, sure. The people who died miserable had no balance. The people who make it, you know, like look at the people like Bill Gates. He's successful. He has balance in his life. He works his ass off on other things, but he goes on vacation. Yeah, true. So you have to have a balance. And so there are some things that in the end get sacrificed and you go, okay, maybe that had to be sacrificed, but you can't sacrifice everything. Oh yeah. yeah I, I think, I think in, in terms of the relationship, I, let me be more specific. It wasn't the relationship itself that I sacrificed. It was a choice in who I was going to be that sacrificed the relationship. And it wasn't that I can't have relationships because I'm actually in a very happy and, and, and supportive one now, but it couldn't be with someone who couldn't support my choice. Right. And I think that's the, the, the better way to say that. And this is no fault of the other person. Sometimes you just, you choose different things in your life. You know, like in Crystal's case, for example, this is definitely not a judgment on her at all. You know, like she, she, she knew what her choice was and she was aware of her choice about who I was becoming before I was aware of it. You know, like even, even post breakup, she was very clear to say things to me like, you know, you have to follow your path, lamb. Like you have to, you have to, you have to see where the take, this takes you because it means everything to you. Mm -hmm. And it was tough for me to hear in the moment because, you know, obviously the, the pain of a relationship ending is very raw and very present. But in, in the aftermath of that, in the longer version of that story, I actually understood what that statement meant. You know, I understood what that journey was supposed to be for me because of that. Um, and I don't know whether it was intended on her part or not, but it was definitely a moment in which I had to have some clarity about what my path was and what that, that path was going to mean. So little of relationships end up being about who people are, but more about when they are. Oh yeah, sure. Absolutely. And, you know, like uh, the people that end up staying together and happy, they kind of stay in, I guess the same space time continuum, you know, in the sense that like who they are and who that person is, those things are in sync. Mm -hmm. But so many marriages or people are, you know, the, it's not that people marry the wrong people. Mm -hmm. Marry them at the wrong time. It's that they end up married to the wrong yeah. person. Yeah. You know, the person they married might've been the right person, but you know, one person progressed at this speed and this person progressed at this speed and you ended up in different places and you're completely incompatible now. Well, I mean, there's, there's a wisdom in that, in the sense that like even early on in our relationship, um, there was a moment in which, you know, before we got together, um, it was definitely about, she, she kept talking over and over about timing. Like, you know, this, this, just give her a couple of years to figure stuff out and, and, and we might have a much better chance. And I, I fought her on that. You know, I told her to, to, to take a chance, to take a risk. And, and now I'm actually realizing how, how simple and selfish of an idea that was, um, how, how completely, uh, narrow-minded within that instance that was 
Um, and it, again, it's, it's one of those situations where in no small part, that definitely was part of the downfall of our relationship was I just pushed it too early. Well, that's one of the pitfalls of romanticism and mm-hmm. romantic ideas. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Take absolutely. a risk. Take a risk. It's not... No, like, it's not that simple. Yeah, it's not that. It's never that simple because if it were that simple, everyone would do it. Yeah. Uh, oh, our marriage is falling apart. You just need to take her out for a romantic date. That's no, ridiculous. that's not the yeah. fucking problem. No, that's not the fucking problem. Absolutely. There's so much more, but it's so hard to see it. You know, like that's the of one course, thing because your emotions are involved. Yeah, and and emotions. If emotions are, are are if emotions do one singular thing, it's that they give you blind spots, and and I think that that early in a relationship, like I think that's part of the reason why my current relationship works so well is because I so much didn't want it to fall into the pattern of what relationships had looked like in my past that I actively fought the relationship. You Mm -hmm. know, I wanted it to be real. I wanted it to be, this is who I am and this is who I'm going to be. And if you don't like that, then there's, then, then at least we know now. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's an um, exertion of will as opposed yeah, to like what absolutely. you're actually feeling. Absolutely. There, there's no romanticism to it at all. And I think because of that, the pragmatic nature of my current relationship, and, and it's not to say that we're, we're automatons or anything like that. We're actually very loving towards each other. But there's such a, a, a weird normalcy to it um, that, that it's, it's such a, a, an everyday warmness and kindness that that has no sense of of pretense to it, and I think that's the biggest thing is how much pretense you go into a relationship with. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that's dangerous about that romanticism, right? Absolutely, those pretenses. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, we're going to be desperately in love. Ugh, yeah, I, no, we, we have yeah. to not want to be around anybody but each other. It's like you are going to destroy it. Absolutely, I didn't know that at the time, obviously, but I know that now. And that fits totally in with what what I'm talking about with like projects like this. It's like, I don't want to be like that with this project. Hmm. Or I'm like, I just have to give it everything. No, no, I don't. You know what I have to do? I have to put some effort into it when I have it and enjoy it while I'm enjoying it and do other things that I enjoy too. Mm-hmm. And that's how I'm going to get through it sane. And if I fail at it, I'll fail at it, but I look at it as a learning experience. But if I really just like let it consume me and fail at it, then I've destroyed everything. Oh, yeah. Sure. And I've, I've done that when including, I was... Including your sense of self and all of that too. Yes, exactly. Like when I was younger, a young man, I used to do that with relationships. Mm-hmm. I get so wrapped up in a relationship that unintentionally I nuke the rest of my life. Yep. And then they would break up because obviously no one wants to be no one wants to be the center of someone else's universe sure. completely. You know, they want to be important. No, they, they want to be in that person's universe, but they don't want to be that person's universe. Yeah. I mean, they might want to be number one on the list, but they want other things on the fucking list. Absolutely. Too heavy of a burden. God, I realized that far too late. Then when they end, if they would end, I'd be like, oh, I'm just kind of sitting there like, what do I like to do? You know, like sure. <laughs> everything else had ceased to exist. Or when you're really young and you sacrifice what you like for other people, like, oh, you like that? I like that too, even though you don't. Yeah, I became too accommodating as well. That's definitely part of my, my MO. Well, we're afraid of, when, it, when the context of relationships, um, there's a certain emotional immaturity in that, in the sense that we're afraid that being honest about something makes us less appealing. Sure. Like, oh, you love Vietnamese food. I think it's gross. And if I tell you that, 
then you're going to think we can never go to Vietnamese foods. Therefore, I'll be less appealing to you. So I'll tell you I love it. Mm. Instead, you can actually have a conversation. <laughs> and that's you know, it's your thing you always say about Tim Ferriss, those difficult or awkward conversations. That's one of them. And that's the time when you have one. Sure. Like, oh, you like it? I don't really like it, but I'm open to try it again. Yeah. And 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 I, I legitimately think that if both Crystal and I were willing to have more awkward... I mean, we even talked about this after we broke up. Um, if we were more willing to have more uncomfortable conversations early on, we would have had a far better chance. Far better chance. But instead, we tried to accommodate each other and we tried to to be what we thought the other person needed at the cost of who we were. And in the long run, that you're so right. Like the, the price you pay for that in the long run is so high for both people that it, it becomes unbearable for both to stay in the relationship because there's been so much sacrifice that's been unnecessary in many ways too. Um, that just cripples who you are as a person, you know? Well, the worst and the most dangerous thing is there are people out there who will go through exactly what we're talking about and they get to the end and, you know, everything's nuked and you know, all this stuff and then they don't see any of their own fault in it. Oh, sure. So then okay. they blame it on the other person. Now they're taking all of the baggage of that. They're going to bring the same exact... They're going to The next relationship, they're going to do the exact same thing, mm-hmm. except now they're going to be more bitter. And of course. They're going, be, they're going to be less trusting or you know all these other yeah, things. And, they're, and they're, going to, they're going to take out their shit on the next person. I, I definitely... like. I mean, that's part of the reason why I, I took so much time to feel the pain of the end of that last relationship is because I definitely wanted to not carry that into any friendship or relationship I had ever again. And even in doing that, I still brought some of it into my current relationship. And I have to check myself on that. Like there are moments, for example, where I have to like where I'll, 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 I'll talk to, to Jen and be like, you know, hey, um, I'm going to go do this political thing. Are you okay with it? You know, are you all right with it? You know, or I'm going to go work on music and, you know, or, or go do a photo shoot or something like that. And, and every time I say something like the, that to Jen, her response is always the same, which is, look, I'm with you because you do these things. I'm not with you in spite of you doing these things. So never ask me again because that's who you are and that what's make that's what makes you you and that's the reason I want to be with you. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's a very different perspective for me to have. Well, that's that when thing, you know. That's that when where it's like oh oh yeah the timing in a, man. Like well, she in said, a way, she said she couldn't have been that person at, at some other point in her history, but she's that person now. Absolutely, the timing. The thing about it too is when you look at your previous relationship, that's not who you were when you went into it. But you're already that person when when you got into this relationship. Sure, yeah, so you're so right. She's she. It's just like, oh, that's who he is. She yeah. didn't have to learn to accept it. Just you're just you are that already. Yeah, that's that, so true. And that makes it so much easier. Well, not just not 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 even easier, but like there's there's no there, it doesn't have to even be easy. That's what she likes about me. <laughs> no, but that's what I mean in the sense that you don't have to like you you don't have to explain or apologize or anything. Yeah, um, because it's already in the definition. But God, I'm so not used to doing that. <laughs> right. Well, you know, it's it's think about it like this. It's kind of like um like a podcast, right? One of the reasons that uh, we've had fluctuations in listeners is because what this show is keeps changing or at least it doesn't anymore but it did for a long time kept changing any of any of the formats that i've done had they been a show they would have been fine in the sense that somebody goes oh that's what this show is cool 
it already is what it is. So they accept it and that either they want it or they don't want it. Sure. Good but point. when it's one thing and then it changes, and this is where marriages become difficult because it was one thing and it changes. And sometimes it changes a way that you don't want it to. Yeah. And you, you don't have control over that because in, in the case of a relationship, it's another person and it may be their wants and their desires. Yeah, sure. And you know that's how relationships end up like controlling and stuff like that too because they're trying to hold back the tide of change. Mm-hmm. But it's so much easier in the sense that like, oh, it's in the description of the show. That's what this is about. Okay, I accept it because it's, it, I knew that when I went into it. Mm-hmm. So that's, I mean, that's beautiful. Ah, very wow. interesting. <laughs> we went, I mean, I, it's funny because you, you went into this not having any clear idea about what our format was going to be or, or any idea what the hell we were going to talk about. And look what happens. Look what happens. Yeah. And I'm actually, I am more than happy to pull one of these quotes and chat about that for a little bit and then cut this one a little bit short so that it's more focused on what we talked about. Yeah, I agree. I don't think we need to go another direction. I think that that was heavy enough. I'm more than asked yeah, pretty doing an hour episode that's blocked really well like that. I really like the idea of you opening up the the freedom to do what you feel is right. What do you mean? Like if the show makes sense in an hour, then it's an hour. If the show makes sense mm-hmm. in an hour and forty five, then it's an hour and forty five. I like that it I like that it has room to breathe like that. You yeah, know, because me too. sometimes if you have an hour and forty five minutes and that's your marker, you squeeze stuff in that doesn't make any sense. Well, you know, another thing that I'm going to play around with too is, you know, sometimes we have like a little chit chat at the beginning mm-hmm. and then we get into a topic like this. I might just start cutting the chit chat mm. and just going right into like the main thing. We're like, here, oh, sure. yeah, yeah. you know, because the chit chat might, maybe that's just for you and me. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> maybe everybody doesn't need to hear that. <laughs> oh, good point. All right. So here we go. This should be interesting. As always, the random quote. Um, you can't be a good cartoonist and a bad writer. You'll never make it. But if you're a good writer and a bad cartoonist, you can make it. That's uh, Mort Walker, the guy that created Beetle Bailey. I think that's really fascinating. I, th- I totally agree with that. I've thought about that one a lot since that was from uh, shit. What's it called? Documentary called Stripped. If anybody likes to want to hear about um, comic strips and making comic strips, really good documentary. But yeah, I thought about that where it's like, oh, that's so cool. Where it's like, yeah, you could be kind of a shitty artist. But if what you're doing is funny or like the story's good, that's all that matters. Whereas you could draw amazing, but if the characters aren't doing anything fucking interesting, who gives a shit? Well, I think there's there's definitely... You don't realize that quickly. Um I remember when I first started reading comic books, it was always about the artists, you know, like guys like Jim Lee, um, who who had such a, a different twist on on what I thought um, comic book art should have been. Um, and, you know, and then you get into other artists as you go, you know, guys like Todd McFarlane and stuff like that. But at some point, um, like I, I, it completely, I think as I grew older, um, I started to really value the story so much more that I started, you know, when I started reading the the Dark Horse stuff or Sandman, the stories became so much more important. I didn't even care about the art anymore. Well, yeah, speaking of Sandman, the, he didn't use the same artist for that whole thing. So sometimes like there would be sections of the, you know, uh, story arcs where I'm like, oh, I really like this artist. 
But then I get to the next section and be like, nah, not really crazy about the way this one looks. I'd still read it. Mm, yeah, sure. Because it didn't matter. It's not like it was ever, let's let's be honest. So it's not like the art was ever bad. Just some were more my style and some were less my style. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there are, there are comic books is such a great example. There are some artists that like, I love the way that they draw characters. Mm-hmm. But their stories aren't that good. So I would rather just have like a picture instead of read their comic, you know, like, oh, I just want that one. There's a lot of, there were a lot of artists that did stuff in the X-Men universe where their art was really cool, but the storylines were kind of like, yeah, not really into it. And then you look at like, uh, go back to like uh, some of the classic older stories, you know, like Demon in a Bottle which is, you know, Iron Man going through alcoholism, which was like 70s, early 80s. Sure. That style of art back then of comic books, it's not really that interesting. You know, it's okay. It's just classic comic book art, right? But that story is so well written. So that's, I mean, that's, I think that should be inspiring to anybody. It's like, just, you know, tell something interesting. Don't worry about the mechanics of everything. There are definitely exceptions to that rule in my mind, though. Um, like there are certain artists who were so good that I would check out their stuff, despite the fact that it, it, the story was kind of just irrelevant to me. I mean, it just so happened that some of the stories were spectacular too. But I, I look at a guy like Travis Cherist, for example, and his art is so good, um, so much so I'll probably end up posting something on the the Instagram about it. I mean, his his artwork is is at a level of fine art that is so far beyond that what I expect out of comic book art that I understood why he didn't pencil stuff in the the you know in in the comic book world very often it's because his work took so much damn time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and it's he he has a series on his. Um, website well he's doing mostly commercial stuff now but he has a series on his website um i think it's called um space girl or something like that where there it's literally no words um and it's just these beautiful renderings of this female astronaut and it's just shocking in its in its in its beauty um for a comic book artist and um you know i i will not only post a a something from cherist i'll post something from that specific series you know, I would, in a sense, um, I'm going to push back a little bit and say that he is telling a story. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. That yeah, really no, great cool. artists don't need words to tell the story. Oh, yeah. Oh, his framework is incredible. His his narr- his understanding of how to use a a, 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 a panels in a com- on on a page in a comic book to to construct a narrative is just unique. That's that's why, like, for me, one of my favorite artists of all time. Um, was Sergio Aragonés. He worked for Mad Magazine. And he also, he did a comic called Grew the Adventurer. And he's he's a comic strip artist, not a comic book artist, even though Grew was a comic book. Um, but it's drawn like a comic strip style, you know. But he did all of these classic, I own a bunch of them. I'll probably put a picture up on the Instagram as well of all the Sergio Aragonés books that I've bought, used off of, um, Amazon because they were published in like the 1960s and they haven't been republished. So I buy them used and sometimes they're in shitty condition. But he, the kind of stuff that he was doing and in, in general, um, things like Mad Magazine, Cracked like that, are focused on telling a story in one to three images. Mm. 
you know, and see you know, like the the little the little line in the bubble, you know, whatever the character says, it just it makes you look at the picture. But if that picture isn't drawn right, the story isn't told right, it's not funny. No matter sure. what that bubble says. Yeah. The bubble is there. You so you're looking, you know, it's like you got uh three prisoners and a and a and a cop or a guard. So that's what you see when you look at it. It's not funny yet. You read the caption, then you look at the picture again. And because of that interplay between what that says, that what it points out and what he's drawn, now it becomes funny. Mm. I mean, that's that's generally all comic strips logic. But he is so good at it that sometimes the thing that makes one of his pieces, I'll say, funny is just the placement of the character's eyes. Just mm. so subtle, but so solid. He's just a, he's a hero of mine. I, I think he's still alive. I wish I could interview him. Couldn't uh, hmm. hurt to try. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. He's got to be, he's got to be up there. Sure. Let's see. Well, let's see how old he is real quick. Mr. Wikipedia, Mrs. Wikipedia. No. Gender fluid Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> Wikipedia would have to be gender fluid. Oh, it would have to be. Absolutely. Because it has to cover all bases. Okay, there he is. Such a stellar mustache. He's <laughs> eighty-one years old, so he's he's up there. If you have, if you guys haven't seen anything of his, I'll try to find an online comic or something too, so you could check it out in the show notes. Okay, where's my notes? Where's my notes? So we're going to cut it early, guys. Um, you can support this show and the work that I put into it every week by going to patreon.com forward slash Holy Fool Productions and becoming a patron. And if you want to keep up with Mr. Lamb, you can follow him at The Vacant Room on Instagram. Um, if you're into dog photos, Mr. Latte now has... That's two misters. Mr. Latte now has his own Instagram um, so that I don't have to put dog pictures on the random badassery site. It's called uh, Latte Like the Drink which anybody that saw Green Mile gets the joke. And of course... I just got that. (laughs) Damn it. It's uh, unbelievably hard to find an Instagram name that doesn't exist already. Oh, sure. Especially for the word latte. Because not only competing with dogs named latte, you're also competing with coffees. (laughs) And of course, you guys can follow at Random Badassery, the show account on both Instagram and Twitter. And lastly, if you dug this episode, please hit star and overcast or whatever app you're listening in. Share this episode with a friend and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And hopefully you like this uh, tighter, condensed episode as much as I did. Yeah, that was great. I actually really like that. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye, babies. Bye. (laughs) Bye.